By now you'll have heard or seen that I'm working with a new golf app called Tangent, who are also sponsoring this show. It's the smartest AI caddy in golf and is able to recommend not only clubs to hit, but target locations based on the math behind strokes gained and your own personal shot patterns. Unlike many other shot trackers, it also takes into account and adjusts for hazards that are out there. It has sensorless tracking with an amazing automatic swing detection that you can use with your Apple Watch or your phone without any need to buy any attachments for your clubs. And my favorite part, the post-round analysis data helps you immediately see where you can improve and gives you simple breakdowns that you can dive into if you want much more detail about your stats. It then links this data to recommendations and actual practice drills that you can use to improve. Getting measurable data for both on-course and practice drills makes Tangent one of the best game improvement ecosystems that I've ever seen. So download Tangent for free on the Apple App Store or at tangent.golf and use promo code SWEET30, that's S-W-E-E-T-3-0, for 30% off. So you'll get a free trial, and if you like it and want to continue, it'll give you 30% off a subscription. So just try it out, play a few rounds with it, and I know you'll love it. So that's Tangent, T-A-N-G-E-N-T, and enter code SWEET30. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to another episode of The Sweet Spot. This is John Sherman from Practical Golf. And as always, I'm joined by Adam from Adam Young Golf. So today we're going to talk about lies, not the type of lies that we hear everywhere else. We're going to talk about lies on the course. So I think everyone gets comfort in hitting off of that perfectly flat lie at the range on the mat. And then when we get on the golf course, we have to deal with the rough side hill, downhill, uphill, bunkers, all the, all the things that change. And, you know, we've gotten a lot of questions from listeners and readers of our sites over there. Like, how do I deal with the side hill lie? How do I deal with the flyer lie? I figure we'd do an episode on that, right? Yeah, it's interesting when talking to some of the groups who do the golf simulator stuff, some of the golf simulator leagues like GS Pro. And I, I asked the question, how much lower is your handicap on the simulator league than in real life? And most people are significantly lower on the simulator. And there's loads of reasons for that. But one of them is, you know, the ability to judge lies. You're, you're constantly on a flat lie, perfect lie on a mat when you're doing the simulator league. And then you get out in the real world and you've got to judge all these different things. And while I think there's no substitute for actually getting on the course and dropping a few balls in a specific lie and actually hitting them and seeing how it turns out, there are things that you can do from a theoretical point of view, which is what we're going to do in this golf course that can help speed up that process of learning. You know, you can find patterns much quicker if you know what you're looking for. Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of self-exploration that needs to go on. Like we'll give you probably some basic ideas, maybe some stuff you've heard before or haven't heard before, but every golfer delivers the club a little bit differently. So like how a 
Like, let's say, for example, I have the ball above my feet with the way I deliver the club. It might react a little differently than someone who, you know, has a completely different swing pattern. So I think we'll give you some best practices. But as Adam said, one of the best things everyone can do is pay attention during your rounds, of course. And then if you have the opportunity to mess around with different lies, that's incredibly important, too, in your practice. Do we want to start with a? we're going to try and do... The rough, we're going to try and do bunkers and side hill, downhill, uphill. Is that a good rubric for this outline? Yeah, yeah. I think start with the four ones, ball above your feet, ball below your feet, downhill slope, and then uphill slope. All right, so we'll start with those. Yes, we start with the the ball above the feet. I personally feel like that's one of the easier ones I would imagine you do too, John. Yeah, I mean, I'll speak anecdotally. I think a lot in my game and probably what I've noticed with others, you know, you got to look for what your tendencies are in that situation. I think a lot of tendencies would be for someone to strike it heavy. Would you, would you agree with that? Like if someone's going to make a mistake with the ball above the feet, they're probably going to hit it a bit fat is what I've seen from a lot of players and myself. Yeah. I'd say for most of these lies, that would, that would be the case. Yeah. I, I feel but, like the uh, above the feet is a little bit harder, or I'm saying it's a little bit easier for, for people to chunk it. So one of the things that I do is I choke down. That's my first move. If the balls, I play on a course that is significantly hilly. So the North Shore of Long Island, a, a quick earth science lesson back from eighth grade is the North Shore of Long Island was actually shaped by glaciers. They stopped there. So we have incredibly hilly golf courses on the North Shore of Long Island, whereas on the South Shore, they're totally flat. So I'm used to playing on very uneven lies all the time. My first move is to choke down. I don't know if that's something you would do also, Adam, but that that's one of my moves that I found helps me with what I pay attention to my tendencies. Yeah, I take a slightly different approach. Well, I, I choke down on it, but I do it in a different way. I actually just rest the club on the ground. Then I extend my arms out as to what feels comfortable. And I just take my hands off the grip and let the club slide into position. So it is choking down, but I'm almost just letting the club fall in my hands how it wants to based on that slope. So rather than, you know, lots of people will be like, well, if the ball's a foot above your feet, you grip down an inch on it and then that can get too complicated. I just like that feeling of placing the club on the ground and letting it fall into my hands where it wants to fall. And that's where I grip it. Definitely. I think that's one element to it. Do you want to talk about like shot shape? I mean, for a right-handed golfer... I don't like fighting against side hill lies. So for me, I have that draw tendency. So ball above my feet, I'm probably going to draw it more. I'm not going to try and fade it to counteract that. So I don't fight the lie. I kind of let it happen. I think a reoccurring theme, a point I want to make on all of these things, whether it's the rough bunk or this, you have to understand you're losing a little bit of control. So now you're not having that perfectly flat lie. So if it's above your feet in the rough or fairway, you're going to lose some control over your stock ball flight. And I don't want to fight against that necessarily. That's like one of my philosophies. So I am going to either knowing that I'm probably going to draw it more off that lie. I'm either going to aim more right or consciously try and flash the face a little more open and and not fight against the fact that it's probably going to draw more. That's just something I, depending on how severe the slope is. So if it's very above my feet, then I'm going to try and play for a little bit more of that. If it's slightly above my feet, then not so much. That's the tendency that I think it would for a right-handed golfer exacerbate a more right to left ball flight, or if you're a fader, probably you're not going to fade it as much, I would assume. 
Yeah, for, for those listening who might forget or get confused which way is this ball going to go, just imagine rolling the ball along the ground and which way the ball would roll along that, that surface. So if the ball, you know, if the slope is from right to left, like a green, then that ball is going to go more left in the air as well. The uphill or ball above your feet, sorry, slope, that there's almost no limit as to how much more left the ball can go on that because <laughs> the reason why it goes left is if you're, you've seen those lie angle tools, right? This like a magnetic tool that you clip to the face and it shoots out a little stick representing the 3D face angle. Well, as you start to move that higher and higher, move that club higher and higher, more above your feet, that 3D stick will point more to the left. So it's just it's pointing the 3D face more to the left. And there's no limit as to how much flatter you can get the club. I mean, if you imagine it was stuck up in a tree somewhere, you'd be swinging it baseball style. And so, you know, that's going to really send it left. Whereas when we're on the other slope, there is a limit as to how much more upright we can make the club. So I would say there's there's definitely more room for this, this ball to go left. So really pay attention to it. And I'm similar to you. I will use my alignment at first to try and try and counteract that left shot. And if I feel like it's really severe and, and I'm having to line up way off to the right, you know, maybe in danger or something, I might just try and open the face a little bit more at address. And so that helps to counteract it. I don't like doing that one too much because obviously when you start to open the face, the ball starts to come out higher, starts to come out a little weaker. So you start to change the distance. So I try and do as much as I can with alignment first, as much as I'm comfortable. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I'm probably. Because I get such extreme lies like these on my course and others around me, I'm used to like the ball being like really, it can be like crazy above my feet. So I will have to make extreme adjustments like choke down on it and open the face. But I, I think for most players, you're not going to see too many lies that are that crazy. So I think that's fair. Another question we got on Twitter and I know people want to know is ball position. Do you like to alter your ball position when when you've got that ball above your feet? I don't that much. I guess you could maybe cheat with it a little bit further back in your stance, but even I don't know if that would work for all players. So I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, I, I tend to for most lies, specifically this one, I will tend to place it back in the stance a little bit more. I just want to make sure that I get that ball first contact. You know, yeah. contact is really one of the key things. But I would say one of the overarching rules I use on all the lies is to make a practice swing and see where my club is bottoming out. And then I will make adjustments from there. And part of those yes. adjustments may be the ball position. So Very if I'm good making point. <laughs> a swing, and, yeah, if I'm making a swing and that club is bottoming out, you know, six inches before where I'm theoretically having this golf ball, then I'm going to need to do something different. You know, that lie is obviously affecting that ground contact then. All right. So we're going to do a lot of these. So I'll just, we're just going to shoot through them quickly. So balls above your feet for right-handed golfer, it's going to, you're going to have to adjust to the right a bit. I think Adam's suggestion, I think I do that kind of subconsciously is set up, see where the club's bottoming out, get your arms comfortable. Perhaps, like I said, I, I, I will end up choking up a lot on it to accommodate for that. And then maybe a more advanced move or a more extreme lie is if you want to think about flashing the face open a little bit. Is that a decent kind of cliff notes on that? Yeah, I'd say it's good. 
Now let's do the opposite. Balls below your feet. That's a harder one, one for me. Yeah, I think everybody hates yeah, I this think one. I know pros. I know pros would rather hit the ball above the feet than below the feet. The vast majority. It's just a really difficult lie. You're putting your body in a position where it can't move as athletically. Yep. You're more prone to losing your balance. It sucks, but <laughs> there are some things that you can do. I play a lot of these shots. So my overall thoughts, again, speaking anecdotally, is that, yeah, it's probably going to encourage more left to right ball flight. So I'm not going to fight that as much and I'll have to adjust my aim. I'm not going to fight against that. I would say something can happen that's similar almost to like fairway bunker shots is because sometimes the lower body can get stalled out on this because it's an uncomfortable position. The upper body can take over and yeah, I'm looking for a left to right ball flight, but sometimes I can hit like a huge pull too. I see more, a bigger dispersion from this lie. So I almost have to like force, feel like the center of gravity of my body is lower. Sometimes I hate saying stay down on it because people say that all the time with the golf swing, like, oh, stay down on it. But yeah, I will feel like I'm going to get my body or the center of gravity a bit lower on the ground so I don't lose balance on it and just try to acknowledge that it's probably gonna be a little bit more left to right ball flight, but it is a tougher one. It's funny you said that about the pros. Like, I don't think anyone likes this shot either. It's it's a tough one. One of the reasons for that double miss in theory the ball should come out more left to right and i think if you strike it well it tends to yes but the problem with this is it's it's very hard to get the club head to match the lie of the slope you know it's always going to be heel touching the ground first and so if you make a swing and you hit it just an inch fat and that heel touches the ground first, what can happen is then the club face twists dramatically around that point and it closes the face. So you're expecting and maybe even playing for it to come out left or right, but it ends up, you hit it an inch fat and you hit this big old pull. So one of the best ways I've found to counteract this is if you close the face address and then grip it, what happens is not only does that close face counteract the left to right, so you can end up aiming straighter at the, at the hole, but also when you close the face, it drops the toe of the club down. You close the face and the, the toe drops down, so it matches, the, the sole of the club matches the slope much more. So I love that because it's a, it's a double help, really. It helps alleviate the left to right and helps you strike the ball better as well. Also, the reason why, going back to our club fitting episodes with Woody Lash on irons, why getting the right lie angle on your irons is so important because what you're describing in that situation is where at impact, you want the sole of the club to be mostly interacting with the turf completely if you're thinking of like the sole and heel of the club. And when one of them is like the toes digging in or the heels digging in more, like you're, you're going to get less accuracy from a left to right perspective. So that lie is forcing you into that situation. But golfers yeah, think, encounter that when they have the wrong lie angles too. <laughs> it's a little bit of a side note Yeah, there. thinking about that, I know we talked and Woody kind of agreed with this as well, is if you're going to be wrong with your lie angles one way or the other, it'd be more preferable in general to be more toe down. And I think speaking about this now, it's probably one of the biggest reasons is it gives you more versatility on these lies. Because you know, if the ball's above your feet, 
yes, it's harder. It's it's going to change how the sole of the club interacts with the ground. But it's much easier to just manipulate your body position, stand a little taller, put your weight a little bit more back, and change the lie, change the club, and get the club to match the slope better. Whereas when you're on this ball below the feet, it's much harder because we're limited in what we can do with our joints and body positions into how upright we can get that club. We are limited there. So having the club more toe down, I think it gives us more versatility on these lights. I know that when I had my clubs more upright than they are now, I really, really struggled off this ball below the feet lie. Whereas I can manage them when they're three degrees toe down now. Yeah, I'd say it's a bit more... This is another thought I have about different lies in general. Like there's just a lot of times where I think you have to be kind of defensive in your club selection and target selection. So we'll talk about fairway bunkers probably or deep rough lies. So I would say that this ball below the feet situation is where you have to be maybe a little bit more defensive with where you're aiming and the club you're choosing because again, you're the, the likelihood is that your dispersion will widen on this shot left to right and on the short side too, because you probably will chunk a few as well. So it's almost like you have to take your licks. Like I, I think you get your weight low as possible and, and stay down on it if that helps anyone, but also just acknowledging like, yeah, it's a tough shot and there is no perfectly right answer. Like I think, you know, you hopefully play for a little bit more left to right. I think what you said is a decent piece of advice to closing that club face a little bit more in the beginning, but yeah, it, it's a tough shot. It, it is not an easy shot. Yeah, this one really hurts drawers of the golf ball as well. It's really tough. If you are under plane, you know, you're more of a shallow downswing plane player, the ground is going to get in the way uh, on this one. And so, you know, we have to make our swing a little bit more upright. We have to get lower down. And the best way I found to orient the body in order to achieve this is I squat down a little bit more from the lower body and I actually sit the weight or the pressure back in the heels a little bit and the reason why I do that is because there's a tendency when you make a swing on this one to fall forwards <laughs> yeah. too much because <laughs> the slope gravity is, is taking you there <laughs> yeah so if you if you just squat down a little bit but put the pressure in the heels that's going to help you to maintain your balance during the swing it might lock out your lower body a little bit so you're going to lose some speed but that's the same on most of these lies and then what you want to do is you want to feel get get the swing plane steeper from bending your upper body forwards more so it's almost like you're sitting back in your into your butt a little bit and then the upper body's leaning forwards more so that's how you get down to the golf ball and create this steeper plane that's going to clear the ground a little bit more the worst players i see on these type of lies are the ones who when they get on it they try and just they try and lower themselves only through the lower body so you can imagine they've got a very upright upper body and they're just sitting down with the lower body and that will get you lower but it'll also tend to keep that swing plane a little shallower and you're more likely to bottom out early with that so really get more over it with the upper body probably going to fall forwards from there so sit the pressure back in the heels those are two keys i would i would say yeah, I feel like you just don't want to fight what gravity is doing to you on all of these shots. It's like accommodate the lie with your body the best you can. Hopefully that makes sense to people. Do we want to do now the downhill lie? As we move oh, just forward? a couple. Yeah, a couple yeah, more keep points going on if the you're ball not done. below the feet. Yeah, yeah I just, uh, I again, make a practice swing. See where yeah. your club is bottoming out. I do it next to the golf ball because usually, you know, you're in the same 
that are very similar position. So if you make a practice swing next to the ball and then you just shift forwards an inch, you know, you step down the slope, then you can match it. Yeah, make a, make a swing. Usually on these ones, I have to have the intention of committing to digging into the ground because obviously if the ball's below your feet, you're more likely to swing higher relative to the golf ball, more likely to top it. Lots of people have that issue. So making sure you commit to hitting the ground. And then again, notice where you hit the ground, adjust it if needed during the practice swing, and then walk in and hit the shot with the same feel. Another thing that just came to mind, don't bite off more than you can chew. Also, like I think, you know, if you were trying to hit like a four iron off this live versus like a seven or eight iron, I would say more loft will be a little bit easier because the club's shorter. So Again, it is a bit of a defensive, like if you were further out from the hole, if you had like 180 or 190 and you're like, oh, I can get the the four iron there or something like that, like that's a much harder shot to pull off than if you kind of took your lumps a bit and went with a little bit more loft, I would say for most players. So you, you do have to be careful of not getting too aggressive because we want to avoid in any of these situations. Again, if you're, if you're in a not perfectly flat lie in the fairway, no matter what it is, you're trying to remove the worst possible outcome. So we want to remove that huge chunk or that massive pull. And I think that can happen when you get a little too aggressive with the shot in general. I don't care what lie you're playing. Yeah, I'd say out of the two lies, ball above your feet, ball below your feet, I say it's easier to hit a high shot from the ball above the feet position. Yeah, oh yeah. And it's it's very difficult to hit a high shot from the ball below the feet position, especially with how I play it, you know, closing the face to to get the club to match the slope. That tends to reduce the loft as well. But it's just something that I, it's just something that I deal with. You know, when you're on these weird lies, you have to taper your expectations a little. Yep. All right. You want to move on to downhill lies? What's a downhill lie doing for you? Like right off the bat, it's kind of, de-lofting the club right all things being equal it's gonna generally launch the ball lower so i had a shot it was the 18th hole at my the old course i used to belong to it was over water and if you couldn't get to it in two it was a par five you're always left with this like 80 yard downhill shot so i had a lot of these shots at the end of rounds you know with that end of round pressure And the thing I would think about is, you know, match your body to gravity, what gravity is doing. So I'm not fighting against like gravity sending my body on like a downward trajectory. So I'm almost like acknowledging that and putting my weight more on my left side because that's where things are being shifted. And I would take more loft because if that lie is going to send the ball on a lower trajectory for almost all golfers. And to counteract that, I would generally take more loft. And yeah, I would put the ball a little bit back in my stance. Like those were my, that's my, you know, main thoughts on those lies is again, I don't fight against what gravity is doing, trying to be stable in my lower body. And it's, I'm I'm going downhill with the lie and yeah, I'm going to have to hit more loft. And especially for those longer approach shots, you know, if you had like 180 yards to the green in a downhill lie, Again, are you going to pull the four iron? No, you're going to send the ball straight straight into the ground for most players. So you, you got to you got to acknowledge what the golf course is giving you on that shot, and it, it is a tough one for a lot of people. So those are my main thoughts on that lie. Yeah, the ball is going to go lower. A big ten, well, not a big tendency, but a tendency to go more to the right 
as well. I mean, this can this is one of those things where some people might find the opposite. So yeah, go yeah, out. probably it depends. Yeah, I think it goes yeah. more left for me. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's well, a straight. Yeah, I'll, I'll like flash the face open a bit with like more loft. I, this is, again, you have to pay attention to what you see, right? You know, that's that's why we always talk about feedback at the end of rounds. Like the more you pay attention to what's going on, the more you can be ready for it the next time. But yeah, for me, I actually send it more left. So I'll cheat a little bit open on those shots. Yeah, I guess it, it depends on how your body reacts on that slope. I think for me, I have a tendency to almost fall down the slope as I'm swinging. So my shit, my weight shift increases. And when you shift more forwards, that's going to send the path a little bit more into out and tend to present the face more open. So I tend to get more of a push shot from that slope. But yeah, get on this slope and see how it affects your direction. But the uh, the thing that's going to happen for everybody is a greater tendency to hit the ground early. When you combine that with the fact this slope is going to send the ball lower, the worst thing you can do on this slope is get the sense that, oh, I'm going to hit it low here and then try to help it up in the air. Because if you try and help it up in the air and you go backwards up that slope, you're going to bottom out a foot behind it and maybe even completely miss the ball if you're a higher handicapper. So you've, got, you've really got to commit to staying in your left side, staying down the slope. So I actually, I flare the left foot out a little bit more. That allows me to put more weight, more pressure on my left side, get my shoulders to match the slope a little bit more and just really commit to swinging down the slope, uh, getting that club to match the slope a little better. Again, do practice swings, see where that club is bottoming out, and then make adjustments from there. If that club is bottoming out too early, you're going to have to put the ball back, farther back in the stance, more weight on your front foot. Maybe even try and swing a little bit more left. That would be an advanced way of doing it. Play more of a fadey shot to move the, the low point forwards. Yeah, those are the things that I tend to do on this. I mean, it's relatively simple. Just check where the club's bottoming out and uh, accept a lower ball flight you can increase the loft as you said just go up a club a little bit you probably hit it shorter but then it might have a little bit more roll so just that's that's how you'd change that change that in terms of your strategy so it would be very difficult to hit to a tucked pin from this lie so don't try to yeah it's it's a tough shot yeah it is a difficult shot and i think what i said before applies like be more be even more conservative and also, like in terms of your expectations, just realize, like, yeah, you're you're probably going to chunk a few. And I think a lot of golfers get so frustrated when things change like this, and they're not prepared for it, and they try and play the exact same shots. And like, yeah, you're going to need to make some adjustment and realize that you're not going to hit as good of a shot as you would with a perfectly flat lie. Like that's just how it is. Uphill lies. We want to move on. Yeah, we can go on to uphill lies. Yeah. So this one's interesting because there's two there's two methods of playing it. Uh, how how do you go about this one? So again, I have on the thirteenth hole of my current golf course. I always am faced with this massive uphill lie. It's hard. I think this is. I think all of them are hard. I think the one above your feet above your feet is to me the easiest shot. This one's tough too. I mean, what is gravity trying to do to you? It's it's trying to do the thing that a lot of golfers do on their own, which is fall backwards. So a lot of golfers do that. You know, you watch a lot of golfers at the range and they're kind of like get stuck on their trail side and, and then do not shift their weight back forward in the backswing. This lie is doing that for you already. So it's tough. Like it's already, 
you know, if you think about how you're standing, your weight's going to be shifted to your trail side already. And you might, if you don't counteract that, you might fall even further far behind. And then your upper body is going to do some very strange things. So you have to fight what gravity's doing to you in that shot. Whereas the downhill shot, I actually don't find that as hard because it's it's automatically like getting your your weight to your your lead side, which is where you want to finish anyway. Does that any of that ring true for you? That that's how I feel on those shots. Like it's kind of pushing you in the, in a bad direction right off the bat. We are going to take a quick break and we will be right back. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com forward slash sweet spot. LinkedIn is not just a job board. It helps you hire professionals you cannot find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to a new perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. Also on LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. Just recently, they even launched a new feature that helps you write your job description, making the process even easier and quicker. And they know that small business owners like myself and Adam are wearing so many hats and might not have the resources to hire. So it's a great place to get help. Now, here's what you can do. Post your job for free at linkedin.com forward slash sweet spot. That's linkedin.com forward slash sweet spot to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. We have an exclusive offer on one of my favorite golf shoe brands, True Linkswear. They just released their new Lux G shoes, which is their first big release of 2024 and it is packed with a ton of features. The Lux G is available in both men's and women's models, and it combines tour level performance with a new fit and feel. You'll get the comfort that True Linkswear is known for with their Wonderlux midsole for a supportive yet comfortable ride. The Lux G is also fully waterproof with a two-year warranty, and they have designed it with their padded heel lock system to ensure stability throughout the entire golf swing. But they didn't stop there. True Linkswear always pays attention to the small details. There's padding on the back to prevent rubbing against your foot, an antimicrobial comfort insole, and the Lux G's come in multiple colors. Sweet Spot listeners can get 15% off the Lux G shoes by visiting truelinkswear.com and using promo code SWEETSPOT. Once again, that's truelinkswear.com and use promo code SWEETSPOT, that's one word, to get 15% off their new Lux G shoes. Most of the things that I read when I was growing up told you get your body to match the slope. And I think for the first three lies we covered, that that's true. With this one, this is the only one where I fight what the slope is doing. I don't get my body to my shoulders to be more tilted back. I don't put more weight on the back foot like you would imagine. I actually, I lean into the slope. That is absolutely what I would do too. But like it, it's forcing you in the opposite direction. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like it's putting you in a bad position to put it on your trail side, which is just not good for a golf swing. Say we took the method that most people would think would be correct, which is placing a bit more weight on the back foot, trying to get your shoulders to tilt back a little bit. That this method can work 
it can work. But I've just found that when you do that, the ball flies so high, yep. so <laughs> weak, and just for me and most people, uncontrollably to the left. Because, you know, it's, it's hard to shift your weight up the slope. And so what happens is when you don't have that shift, your hands and arms tend to overtake your body a little bit more and flip. So it's easy to get that really high shot that closes the face. So, yeah, I, I remember as a kid, just there was a slope on my course that was almost 45 degrees. It was ridiculous. And I went out there one night and I just dropped about a hundred golf balls and I was just trying different methods and I found the easiest way for me to control this and, and mitigate lots of the things the slope does was to actually lean into the slope. So I will put more weight on my left side. I will flex the left knee a little bit more to allow myself to do that. And then I, yeah, I hit very steeply into the slope and I just commit and all my brain is focused on that ball first strike. Because, yeah, you don't want that club slamming into the slope and hitting one, two inches behind. That's going to be a disaster for you. But I think if you're very, if you're pretty confident with ball first contact, and it should actually be easier on this slope to make ball first contact because of the shape of the slope, you can go for that method. And by leaning into the slope, you stop the ball flying too high and you stop a lot of the left motion. I still flash the face open to in order to um, get that ball to be a little bit more to the right. I have a big tendency to miss to the left, huge tendency to miss to the left on this type of slope. So yeah, flashing that face open address, maybe even aiming a little bit more to the right and really just munching the ball. Feel as if I'm smashing the ball into the slope. Yeah, the only other thing I do as well, and I, I agree with you, like that you, you have to like fight gravity and, and keep the weight on your for a right-handed golfer on that left side more. I'll just take more club too, because naturally it's gonna launch the ball higher off that slope, I've noticed for me. So I won't swing, I don't get aggressive with these shots. So like if it was normally an eight iron, I'll just take the seven iron and I'm not gonna swing as hard with the knowledge that like yeah, my body might do some stranger things if I don't keep that weight distribution nicely because, again, it's going to send it off on a much higher trajectory for most players, so I just counteract that with less loft. So, yeah, maybe I'll just take an extra club and be you know, a little perhaps conservative with the swing. But, yeah, I think that that lie can be really difficult for a lot of golfers too because, again, like they're just – I see them. like They'll just like fall with the slope and then, again, as you said, the upper body starts doing some very strange things. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, whereas the downhill lie, it's much easier. It, it's forcing you to kind of keep that weight on the – I don't find that as just challenging for most players and this is the exact opposite. It's going to make you fall backwards. Not a good yeah. thing. I even flare, flare the right foot out a little bit more on, on this one just to help stabilize myself in the backswing so that I, I'm less likely to fall down the slope. But I'm, I'm usually putting so much weight on my front foot that it's not too much of an issue. I am visualizing a very steep slope here. I'm going back to that childhood slope, the ninth at St. Mary's for all you know, that know it, Royal St. Mary's. It's not Royal St. Mary's, but <laughs> we used to call it that. <laughs> it was a little dog track that I learned on, but you didn't have any lineage to the Royal family on that course. No, no one was a no. member there. <laughs> The the exception to this, I would say I, I use that method for full swings, leaning into the slope and munching it into the slope. The exception would be when I've got a short game shot 
And this can actually be very helpful when you've got this uphill slope because it helps you hit that high shot. So um, yeah, often at times around the green, if I've got that little uphill slope around the, the hole, I'm like, oh, I like this because I can hit that really high shot. And I then I might try to match my body with the slope a little bit more. And because you're making a softer swing, you're less likely to fall back down the slope. You know, you're not using those high speeds that are actually going to pull your body into certain positions. So when I've got an uphill slope, short game shot, I'll determine what I need. If I can get away with a stock shot, I might lean into the slope a little bit, but if I need a higher shot, I will actually put a little bit more weight on the back foot and just make these swings where I'm gently brushing the ground and, and scraping the club up the slope. It's not, it's not jamming in or sticking into the slope, so adding a little bit more bounce, a little bit more loft. But I'd say the common theme between both methods are you need to aim more to the right. Yeah, and I think uh, as we close up this section of it, more importantly, like pay attention. You got to pay attention over time. If you are, if you do pay, play a lot of courses that are hilly and, and have these slopes, we say this in all parts of the game, but just pay attention to what you, you see are your tendencies and that'll give you better answers because they might be a little different than what we're telling you. Like this is somewhat generic advice and like based on how you deliver the club, it might be a little different for you. We got a lot more to cover. So do we want to move on to the rough now or do you have any other thoughts on, on the uh, different slopes? Well, just some overarching rules for, for all those different lies. So number one, the ball is going to tend to do in the air what it would do on the ground. So if you've got a ball above the feet, if you roll the ball along that ground or imagine rolling the ball along that ground or imagine what water would do on that ground, then that's what the ball is going to tend to do in the air. Try your best to make sure the club matches the slope or the lie angle of the club matches the slope. So orient your body differently for those. Make practice swings to check where the ground contact is and then make adjustments from there. And also the, the rule of placing the club on the ground, then kind of relaxing your hands and seeing where the club falls in your hands or where your hands fall onto the grip. So as a tendency, say you've got that ball below your feet, and you relax your hands, it's very likely that you're going to be gripping up on the club a little bit more. So it goes with the rule that you would think, but it's just a different way of doing it that I feel is more natural and gets the the right amount of gripping up or down. Love it. Fair points. All right, ready for the rough? Yep, let's do it. All right, the rough. I also view the rough as like acknowledging there is a little loss of control. You're not going to, you're in a situation where now grass is going to likely come between the club face and the ball. And that's your penalty for being in the rough. You're not going to get as clean contact. You're not going to get the same spin rates as you would on the fairway. So you're losing control. The ball might fly farther. It might fly shorter. You might lose club head speed and deeper lies. So I think there just needs to be a fundamental acknowledgement that when you land the ball in the rough, you are losing some type of control. That doesn't mean you can't get the ball in the green or near the green. We'll give you some ideas on, on kind of the, the different lies you can encounter. But yeah, that's how I view the rough in general. Your, your spin rates are going to drop for the most part. And you need to accommodate that. And also as the lie gets worse, you're not going to be able to generate as much speed through the ball. So again, your opportunity to hit greens is being diminished. 
and you need to manage your expectations on that. And there are strategic implications as well. That's like my starting point on the rough. Yeah, there are going to be ball speed changes. Generally, it's going to be lower to a certain extent. And how much lower will be determined by how thick the rough is and how much grass you're getting trapped between the face and the ball. And then the spin rates are going to tend to be much lower as well. So that can create different distances. If you're on very light rough and the ball's sitting up okay, you might see a very small drop in ball speed but a bigger drop in spin rate, which can actually send the ball farther. That's what we call a flyer lie. Whereas then when you get into deeper rough, you're going to see a bigger drop in ball speed. You'll see a bigger drop in spin rate as well, but those two will combine to actually produce less distance for the most part. So yeah, or less carry distance at least. You know, that ball might roll out to the same end position if you're on very baked fairways, for example, but there's just going to be less carry distance. So you really have to take that into account, especially with your strategy. Say you've got water in front of the green, you may have to decide whether you're going to actually go for that shot or not. Yep. So the way I always think about the rough is there's, for the sake of simplicity, there's kind of three scenarios, I would say, where the ball is sitting up nicely. So that's our, we'll call that maybe the flyer lie. And then the in-between where it's kind of nestled down a little bit. So it's not a horrible lie. It's not a great lie either. You can still see the ball. And then the worst is when it's just buried. So that is when it's like deep down in there and again, decisions change with each of these lies. Is that a is that a fair three options we can explore here? Yeah, I, mean, I know you, there's you there's Bermuda, there's all different types of rough, but let's I think that's the easiest way to frame the discussion. So do we want let's start with the most fun one where the ball is just sitting up nice and pretty. <laughs> no, I know that's fun for you with your shallow angle attack. Although you're <laughs> less so these days, but I'm yeah. four down. I'm four down with my seven iron now. Can you <laughs> that, believe that's, that? That's, that's crazy. Good. That's pretty good. Yeah, let's let's talk about sitting up. Yeah, most people find this one easier. I think even that there have been talks, was it Tiger Woods who created the courses or has the idea of creating the courses where even the fairways are the same length as light rough because it's much easier for amateurs. It's basically teed up for them. So with yeah. their, their tendency to have shallower angles of attack, it's a nice one for them to hit from. Well, I remember back in our Mark Brody episode, which was well over a year ago at this point, I always want people to go back to that one. You know, we talked about in terms of strokes gained for recreational players, the rough isn't a massive penalty. It's as small as like two tenths of a stroke or three tenths of a stroke. It depends on the course and the player. But for the most part, you know, most golfers aren't playing rough that's like US Open style. So you're going to get a lot of these lies where the ball's sitting up for you. And that helps a lot of recreational golfer, helps them get the ball in the air. And that's something that Mark said was that that's why the rough isn't that big. In some instances, it actually helps players get it closer to the green. So let's talk about why that is with that flyer lie in terms of like how it gets launched. You know, sometimes it gets higher with less spin. You're getting more distance out of it. And that helps. <laughs> One of the big problems we've always talked about in approach play is golfers don't get it to the green. So that's always a good rule of thumb for those flyer lies is you're, you're, you're kind of getting this situation where what we want with the driver, where the ball's going to launch higher with less spin. And when that happens, generally the ball goes farther. So that's what a flyer is. If you've heard that term before and you don't know what it is and someone like air mails, the green, a pro their pros are terrified of this because they know the ball is just going to come out higher with less spin. And, you know, if they're spinning a seven iron 6,500, 
and all of a sudden it's spinning like 4,000, I mean, that thing could go forever if you're getting clean contact on the face. Yeah, well, different levels of player have different struggles. And when you're a higher handicap, the goal or the main struggle is I just need to contact this ball. And when that ball is sitting pretty on on top of semi-rough, then, you know, it helps that golfer with that their specific issue of contacting because it reduces a lot of fat shots you know if you were to if you were to drop your arc say quarter of an inch deeper on that rough lie you're just going to hit a a little bit higher on the face that's all but you're not going to hit the ground early so it really helps high handicappers with contact but the disadvantage of those lies are you get less consistency with spin rates, launch angles, and ball speeds, which is the, the distance control element. So when you get a player who's like a tour pro or scratch or plus figure handicap, they are going to be striking it pretty well every single time. But they then don't like the inconsistency of that, those launch conditions that, that are generated by the rough. You know, that's it's very uncontrollable. You know, there's certain things we can do to mitigate what the rough does, but ultimately there's always going to be a level of unpredictability, unpredictability. And so that's why you see the difference in strokes gained. You know, you can often see it helping amateurs because it deals, it helps their biggest issue, whereas it hurts the pro's biggest issue of control. A pro would rather be on the fairway on a tight lie. And it's actually more difficult to strike the ball from there, but they don't have a problem with striking it. But that tighter lie is going to give much more predictable spin rates, launch angles, and ball speeds. So it's tough to give like a generic tip off of this. Like for the most part, if the ball's sitting up nicely, we know that we're probably going to get more distance for for the most part you absolutely can you know we always want people to take enough club on approach shots so yeah this is one situation where maybe you could be a little bit more defensive over getting the ball going over the green because the, the ball likely will travel farther you know, that might not be true for all players. Some people might strike it higher on the face if they can't control like the depth of their swing. Like I consciously will alter the kind of the arc of my iron swing to make sure that I don't catch it high on the face. I think that can happen with the ball a little bit higher. But yeah, I think for the most part, I think golfers can expect the ball to travel a little bit higher and farther from this lie. Not a crazy amount because again, you know, we're not tour players with 95 mile per hour seven iron swing so it's not going to like all of a sudden just launch on you but yeah it could go five ten yards further for for a lot of players it just increases the top end range right you know if i'm if i'm hitting a seven i am from a crisp fairway from a perfect lie each time you know i'm not going to get it to go much more than 170 whereas when i get a flyer lie it could do that 180 could even do a 190 if you if you get the wrong end of it so yeah that long the long end increases the short end might increase a little bit as well so you're just getting more longitudinal dispersion and so you have to play for that in your strategy probably better to aim at the middle of the green here yeah and again when you have less control which is every lie we're talking about in this episode yeah you're you're going to have to be more defensive in general. So that's the nestled up shot. So I think the potentially the hardest one where you don't have the best answer and which I think freaks a lot of good players out is the in-between lie. So this is the lie where like maybe half the ball is above the rough, something like that. And sometimes the rough could grab the club 
and you're going to lose ball speed and spin so it just doesn't go as far. Sometimes you can catch it really clean out of those lies and then you'll get the flyer where it just nukes over the green, especially in like Bermuda. Whenever I play in Bermuda and I get those in-between lies, I'm always like, oh God, I'm like, I don't know what's going to happen here. (laughs) Like this could go 185 yards or 150 yards. So as the ball gets deeper in the rough, this longitudinal dispersion, which you described, I think is getting wider and wider. So as it gets deeper, I think the first thing you need to think about is more loft because now if it's a little deeper in the rough, you need to counteract that by getting the ball a little bit higher with more spin. And you can achieve that with more loft. Like that's my first move is like, I need to apply a little bit more loft here. And that also gets a more descending angle of attack. Like, so as the ball gets deeper in the rough, I think we want to add more loft and have a steeper entrance into the rough because you want to limit the amount of time that the club is interacting with the grass. If you're coming in on a very shallow descent, very far behind the ball, then a ton of blades of grass are going to start get trapped between the ball and the club. So you're going to lose club head speed and eventually ball speed, and you're going to get less spin, which are not good things. So that's my first thought is like, all right, I probably want to start taking some, a little bit more loft here because I just don't know what's going to happen and I I don't want to nuke it, but I also want to get it out of there as well. How do you feel about those in-between lies? Yeah, I'm always thinking about the entry into the grass and the exit from the grass as well. So how the club is entering that grass, whether it's coming in shallower or steeper. Obviously, for when you get the deeper lies like this, steeper angles of attack that hit closer to the golf ball are going to be better. So steeper entry. So think of a, a plane coming into the into the grass you want it almost crash landing into that ball that's going to get less grass trapped between the club face and the ball especially when you get spongy grasses you don't want to be going through a lot of it if you're going in too shallow you just get those shots that come out with no energy at all whereas if you get steeper and closer to the golf ball you can at least get some ball speed get some click you know get that ball touching the surface of the club then you have to think about the exit so what how is the ball exiting the grass as well so i'm i'm really paying attention to is there a lot of grass in front of the ball or you know sometimes the ball can be nestled down but there's there's almost like a little area in front of the ball where you think oh actually that's going to pop up and not go through as much grass but yeah if that ball is going through a lot of grass even if you were to strike it perfectly and get a lot of ball speed straight off the club well if that ball is then going through a lot of grass it's going to greatly reduce the ball speed on exit and so that's where a lot of people get get it wrong by using a low lofted club trying to you know even if you strike it well getting a steep angle attack that low loft, the ball's not getting up and out of the grass quick enough. And it's just, it's yeah, it's going to get that really weird ball flight. Yeah, I think that's the one thing I want people to acknowledge about the rough is that, again, you you have to accept you've lost some control here. So let's say you have, you know, a not so great lie and you're 175 yards out and you're like, you know what, I can muscle my six iron out of this or five iron. That's where, again, we're trying to avoid big mistakes. So we want to make sure that you don't hit the shot that only goes 50 yards. You know, the goal with approach play is to obviously get it on the green, but your scoring is going to drop significantly if you have a nice straightforward chip or pitch shot, you know, just short of the green or side of the green versus having a 60 yard wedge shot or a bunker shot. So strategically, we need to take 
in consideration that we want to remove that big miss. And if you try to bite off more than you can chew by choosing a lower lofted club, I think you're stacking the odds against you unless you are someone who can generate a ton of swing speed, alter their angle of attack, which I think is more for like the low handicap scratch plus handicap. But for everyone else, even them half the time, I would say you have to get a little bit more defensive. And I think just by choosing a club with more loft, you accomplish that. Like you're, you're going to have a steeper angle of attack with an eight iron than a five iron. And you're going to get the ball launching higher with that too. It won't go as far, but at least, you know, you're removing that situation where you can get a ton of grass trapped behind that five iron. And then all of a sudden it goes a hundred yards. Like that's the shot we really want to avoid, I think. Yeah, that's the often untalked about benefit of speed training or just being oh, more yeah. powerful and, and a longer hitter. That was Tiger. <laughs> I mean, look at Tiger, what he was able to do when he came out with all that swing speed. People were like, how is he hitting these high tiring iron shots out of these horrible lies in the rough? Speed. That's yeah, how. Exactly. If you're using, I remember the Pebble Beach where he won by, what was it, 15, 15, 15. shots? Yeah. And he was two, 200 yards out and he was using a seven iron and just. <laughs> that's like, crazy almost breaking his back with the speed that he was swinging but he did he did he did break his back eventually unfortunately he did he tore it to shreds (laughs) you've seen the mike tyson quote right (laughs) with the break which one i use a lot of them (laughs) have a look at on youtube it's uh, it's hilarious whenever i hear someone talk about their back i visualize mike tyson saying that he's a hilarious character um anyway so yeah i mean if you are if you're 150 out and you're using a nine iron you're gonna have a lot nicer of a day than if you're using a hybrid from from 150 you know but just the fact that the club is going to be coming in steeper automatically because there's a shorter club the ball's going to be exiting in the grass higher it's already going to have more spin loft on it so you're more likely to generate consistent outcomes with it whereas when you've got a longer club you know, you can reach that tipping point where the spin drops so low that the ball just falls out of the air. That's not going to happen with a 9-9 at least. So, yeah, speed training is is very important. You know, even if you are hitting more shots from the rough, you're, you're using clubs that are more controllable from the rough as well. Yeah, it's really strength in general. If you're stronger, and I, you know, I've talked about, we've talked about strength training on multiple episodes on this show and fitness in general. Like that is one of the huge benefits is that, Again, you can choose that club with more loft and and apply enough swing speed so that you get the two things you want. You get less interaction with the grass, higher launch angle, and then the less spin will make the ball naturally go farther. You can kind of create your own little flyer. But yeah, that, that's a huge benefit of swing speed in general and strength is that these lies out of the rough aren't as penalizing for you. But again, yeah, if you are... For most players, again, I think we're talking about a very small subset of golfers. Don't try and muscle it out of there. Do not try and take too little loft because, again, you're just going to increase the amount of time the club is spending in, in the grass with less loft and not a good thing. Any other thoughts on those intermediate ones? Well, I mean, for, for all of these, even for the bad lie, we're talking it, – it tends to be that the best players out of the rough are steeper. You know, it's very rare that I will see a player that I know has a shallow angle attack who's good out of rough. You know, yes, they, they'll be good off that first lie we talked about, ball sitting pretty. But once it starts to nestle into the ground a little bit, the steeper players are going to be better. So how do we make the angle of attack steeper? These rules apply to short game as well as long game. 
putting the ball farther back in the stance. That's one of the easiest ways to, to make the angle of attack steeper. Placing more weight on your front foot. Having your hands a little bit more ahead of the ball as well at address. It's not in itself, it's not something that creates a steeper angle of attack, but if I give it to 100 golfers, they will tend to be steeper overall. So, yeah, have to always use that caveat. He's got his 100. He got it in there, everyone. We yeah. should ring a bell when you say 100 <laughs> golfers. More hinge of the club. So I, when I'm when I'm thinking about the motion, I I visualize that nail through the golf ball, and I just imagine if that nail was angled more down to the ground, how would I orient my body? And lots of these things will self-organize around it. Like if I was to try and ha hammer a nail through the ball that's angled steeper, I'm going to place more weight on my left side. I'm going to lean the shaft forward. I might even take a little bit more hinge and hold that a little longer. Feel as if I'm chopping down on the ball a little bit. We can overdo these things as well. There's a kind of balance here because lots of these things that create a steeper angle of attack also create lower loft. So you might be, what's the phrase, robbing Peter to pay Paul? You know, where you're, is that a British phrase? Everything you're trying to do can be counteracted because your hands are so far ahead and all of a sudden that nine iron turns into a six iron, <laughs> the loft delivered. Yeah, exactly. You're getting that steeper angle attack. So you're improving the crispness of the strike, but then you're also creating that ball to launch through more grass. So, you know, if, if you're going to do these steep angles of attack, you'll need to use a little bit more loft to get, get the ball up and out. So really it's a case of first looking at the lie and saying, what angle attack do I need to make some kind of contact here? And then once you've got that figured out, that's going to help you determine, well, how low is this ball going to launch from this now? Can I get away with that? So you're looking at the exit of the golf ball through the grass. And so then you might have to adjust the loft you can also, to move the low point forward and get steeper on it, you can swing more to the left. That's a more advanced move, obviously. It's not something I would rec recommend the most. It is something I do because I'm comfortable changing my swing path. Uh, I'm certainly not going to take that bad lie in the rough and try and draw it out of that. You know, try and hit a sweeping draw. I'm much more likely to try and punch a cut out of that rough. So, yeah, those are the ways of ch changing angle of attack that apply to short game as well. So I think everything you just described is the best advice for like a horrible lie. So when yeah. you get that third scenario of like, okay, I've got an absolute crap lie here. I've got ball buried. It's deep in the rough. So now we have to be even more defensive. And, you know, you mentioned earlier, like what if there's water in front of the green or like there was now you have to start imagining that the ball is going to go like 60, 70% of your normal distance and it's going to tumble and run. So if there's just fairway between you and the hole, fine, that's no problem. But now we need to start thinking, oh, there might be some fairway bunkers or, or if there's some water hazards, you know, as the ball gets deeper and deeper, now we are, we're, we're getting less and less options. So I think everything you said is, is kind of why I do more loft, ball a little bit back in the stance, weight on the on the lead side, gets everything steeper, but don't go crazy. Like don't put the ball all the way back in your stance because then, you know, that that could be overdoing it and then and you just like get nothing out of it. So but again, more loft is your friend, I think, for most players. Like you just now you have to start thinking, I'm trying to get this thing out of the rough and make sure I get back to safety. Get it on the fairway and have a somewhat reasonable shot into the green. Like the more and more you try to get 
aggressive and take less loft and not acknowledge that you're kind of in a not a penalty area or hazard it's just you're being punished for missing the fairway and you draw that bad lie don't pull the five iron pull the pitching wedge you know you got to take your medicine it's almost i would call it like almost a recovery situation for most players when you have a very deep buried lie and I don't think it's that common all the time because, again, do most golf courses have like crazy hard rough? I would say for the most part, like if you look at municipal public courses and even a lot of private courses, like I would say no. I don't think a lot of courses have crazy rough. I know they're out there, but yeah, if you do draw that really bad lie, you got to get defensive, add more loft, get steeper on it and just get it out. And then think about what parts of the course are now in play with the knowledge that it's not going to come out as high and it's not going to go as far. It's going to tumble more. That's how I you know, want to think about those shots too. Take my medicine and, and think about, okay, what are the outcomes now that, that my options are limited? Yeah. I know someone talked about, you know, an- not ankle high, shin high, knee high grass. And it's just a case of you have to almost treat it like a water, a water shot. You know, if you can advance it yeah. forward, you've saved some something out of it so yeah, yeah we see it with, we, yeah <laughs> we, 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 we got on my course yeah you take a sand wedge and you get it out of there yeah we see it with the pros all the time you know they're not trying to hit hybrids from that knee high grass they're trying to wedge it out and these are some of the strongest players in the world so yeah you just have to take your take your medicine there you know the only time i'm going to gamble with a longer club is if i think that there's at least a 50 percent chance that i can get it out and advance it and the the bad shot is not going to be leaving it in the same place you know so we're not talking really high rough and there's also nothing short as well so you know that five iron from the rough that's probably going to fall out of the air a little bit well it can still get up there trundle up there run up there as long as there's not water short i'm okay you know i'm happy rolling it into a bunker and potentially having the outcome of it being a good shot as well so that's the only time i would gamble with that but then you get to the real low lofty clubs like a four iron three iron if anybody still has them or even hybrids and those ones, they start to tip into the area where the spin rate can get so low that you just, you completely lose any chance. So there's, you know, the chance of getting a good shot out of that falls to like 25% or lower, even with a good strike. Yeah, you need to consider what's between you and the target. So I'm thinking to Beth Page Black, for example, which is arguably top five, 10 hardest courses in the world, a very extreme design. The rough is difficult, but you're faced with a lot. Anytime you miss the fairway, you're you're faced with a situation where you're like, okay, I can chip this or not. I can kind of get it back into the fairway. Or now if I look at the green, there's all this other nasty rough and bunkers between me and the green. So you're kind of like, oh, maybe I can muscle it out of here and get it there. And then all of a sudden you don't. And then you're faced with just as hard of a shot on the next time because you chose that lower lofted option. Whereas if you took more loft and got it back to safety, then you can make your bogey versus your triple. So some courses, I I think again, more uncommon, but they force you into that scenario. But yeah, if, if there was, you could take on more risk if there wasn't that problem in front of you. Like I'm thinking of like a link style course, maybe where you can just kind of run it up there and, and there's not as much trouble to worry about. So you just have to take this into consideration as you, I think a lot of golfers, because it's that tilt feeling where you're angry, you miss the fairway and you're like, oh, let me try and make up for this mistake. And that's where you compound things from those really crappy lies in the rough. So think more defensively and, and treat it almost like a recovery situation. 
We are going to stop episode one right there, and we'll pick up right where we left off next week with part two. You can find me, John Sherman, at thefourfoundationsofgolf.com, and check out Adam and his programs at adamyounggolf.com. We'll see you next week.